Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Wiki Weekdays podcast. I am your co-host for the week, as usual, Lucas Holland, and I'm joined, as always, by the lovely Carl Smallwood. I am lovely, thank you very much, and I am drinking my cup of mud. Yeah, like, what are you drinking? Because it just looked like you felt like Bovril in there or something. It is an iced coffee. Right, it's a very dark iced coffee. It's also, as well, it's not got a lot of ice in there. Because usually... Like iced coffee normally has like a lot of like ice in there, so it looks clearer, but that's like what black coffee looks like when it's just got one massive fat ice cube in it. That's the thing is, you know, you imagine when people like talk about, oh, well, I got an iced coffee. It's like, they've gone and got like the super milky like Starbucks iced coffee nah. with like a thousand calories in it and like shit ton of sugar. And like, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but like they always have so much sugar and stuff in them. And it's like... They're sort of like the unhealthiest thing that people buy, but it's always like, I'm going to get my iced coffee and go with the gym and stuff. And it's like, dude, that is not healthy for you. I, I started drinking black coffee when someone pointed out to me it's got zero calories. I know it's got mm. like some, but when someone said it's basically calorie neutral, I went, well, there we go. So yeah. it's black coffee all the way because you don't have to feel bad about drinking it. That's the thing is like I, I rarely drink coffee anymore because working from home, like I don't need that caffeine necessarily, but like... When I do, it's usually just like a, an Americana with a tiny splash of milk and like a bit of sugar. But every now and then, when I'm whenever I go and get a coffee outside, it's like get me a mocha, fill me with the bad stuff. Just well, so this I started this morning. I did my my protein shake. So I put a shot of espresso in my protein shake. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you know that energy boost and take my pills. And then I had like while I was just like reading a book, waiting for you to hop online, I had another one. So it's like, I always have three in a day. Fair. As long as you don't be that person that's like, I've only had five monsters today. I'm going to be that's okay. The thing. <laughs> oh, that's probably bad. So I limit myself. I have three coffees. Like one when I first wake up, one like you know just before I start work because there's an hour or so break while I exercise, shower, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have one like you know about halfway through the afternoon, which is when we're recording this, which is normally like while I'm working. Do you like just having it on the side or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And could be worth. My mum has ten. I want like 10 coffees yeah, a day. That's the thing. And I don't want to be that person that's like, oh, I'm a, I went I caffeine co- free yeah. and like, I feel so good about it and I'm so natural. It's like, no, I just sit at a desk most of the day and I don't need that energy to work. But Do you know how like coffee is one of the oldest like things that humans have been like consuming? And do you know how we figured it out? It's because like supposedly it comes from Ethiopia and it was an Ethiopian goat farmer a thousand years ago. It's like, my goats are like really active today. <laughs> And they've been chewing on some seeds. So he tried one of them and felt better and went, oh, we should probably like do something with these seeds. That's, that's pretty why, cool. like, Ethiopian coffee is um, uh, supposedly the best coffee in the world. And I've been mm. hankering to try some proper Ethiopian dark coffee for that ages. But good. It's been difficult to find like an Ethiopian coffee house. All these uh, Brexit import costs and all. Well, there's Ethiopian I'm restaurants, joking, but, I feel, but, yeah. but I feel bad going into a restaurant just to get a coffee. Yes. And obviously, yeah. when, you, when you go to like Starbucks, or not Starbucks now, because they support genocide, like Costa or Cafe Nero, mm-hmm. you're like, it's always like, oh, he's like, try a Colombian blend. I've never heard Ethiopian blend, but I want to, but apparently it's so strong, people can't handle. Oh, like, yeah. There's someone who likes like dark, strong coffee, and I really like the bitterness of coffee. I'd be like, it's. It's like when you hear about those like those super secret like Red Bulls that they can't sell over here because like the amount of E numbers that's in them. It's like yeah. I want to try it. I want to try the <laughs> Forbidden America Red Bull. Oh, but we're not here to talk about caffeine for an hour, Carl. Um, 
we are, of course, you know, talking about whatever wiki entries we have brought this week. Yes. And, of course, on this podcast, you need to let us know which wiki won this week, which just means which wiki brought, like, the best discussion to the table. Mm-hmm. And we are going to start this week with handing it over to Carl. And, Carl, what have you brought for us wiki-wise this week? Well, the reason I was, like, bringing up coffee so much is because uh, we're talking about something today that is very fast, very speedy. Are we talking about Son of the Hedgehog? No, we're talking about a race that is very fast. A a speed race, if you will. Are we talking about speed racer? We're talking about the 2008 sports action comedy film, Speed Racer. Holy shit, we are talking about Speed Racer, so is, okay. So this has been on my mind for a while, because if people like consume all the content we make, like Wiki Weekends and uh, like Fact Fiend and our streams and stuff, you might notice that we go through like period... We go through periods of like talking about the same thing. We'll mention the same joke or the same clip from a TV show multiple times throughout recording because that's just the thing that was in our head the week we recorded all that content. Mm-hmm. Of course, so yeah. And we recently recorded, I forget where it came up, but it was a, a Fact Fiend video about... What was it about what we mentioned? Because you did the edit, do you remember? I did do the edit, but I don't remember. That was like but, over a week ago. But a conversation about Speed Racer came up where we talk about in the video how Speed Racer is a film that both myself and you mm-hmm. got tricked into buying on Blu-ray. Yes, that is true. Because um, the story... Again, I'll, t- I'll tell the story again. Why not? It's my story. I can reuse it. <laughs> uh, when I first got a PlayStation 4... And like that was my first jump to like you know um, a console or a device that could play Blu-rays. I remember and what it was now, Carl. It was the Terminator video. The Terminator because video. Because you oh, were yeah, talking we about like media that holds up well on Blu-ray. Yes. And this uh, oh, is yeah, not here. <laughs> and while I was like looking at what Blu-rays to buy, I did some research online to find out like you know cause not all Blu-rays are created equal. For example, we. Talking about Speed Race, which was directed by the Wachowskis. Mm-hmm. Or the Wachowskis. Some of you pronounce it the Wachowskis. I always get people pick me up and calling, it, calling them the Wachowskis, even though that's how the name is pronounced. I mean, it's, it's one of those, isn't it? You're probably going to get corrected either way you use it. I think they use Wachowskis and Wachowskis. Mm-hmm. Do that thing of like American interviewers calling the Wachowskis and they just don't correct them. Right. Like same thing when we talk about like Scarlett Johansson where... But well, she says Joe Hansen. It's like no interviewers say Joe Hansen. She doesn't correct them because she's too polite. And that's the thing. Even if she does say Joe Hansen, like our point still stands. Of Joe Hansen is like the actual Danish, Danish way to pronounce it. It's the Danish pronunciation. Same with that. The Wachowskis. But anyway, um, yeah. So uh, speak. Bringing back to Blu-rays, the Wachowskis directed The Matrix, which has an infamous um, Blu-ray special release that they had to go back in and fix. Oh right. So. There's a Blu-ray version of The Matrix where they overdid the green tint and they put the green tint that's present in The Matrix over every single scene. It's got like the piss filter on it. And people might think, what what do you mean by that? Well, The Matrix, there's a lot of like use of colour theory in that movie. Very basic colour theory, but people who like The Matrix think it's deep as shit. But when when there's a scene set within The Matrix, everything has a green tint. And they did this in multiple ways. They did this through the camera work. By like, you know, they put a slight green filter over in post-production. They also did a green wash on every person's outfit. For example, um, the shirt that Neo wears during the interrogation scene, the white shirt, is actually slightly green. And mm. the production designer in charge of cost oh sorry, the costume um, uh, designer took his outfit, 
washed it in green dye, and then washed it 20 times to get the green dye out, but there's a little bit of green left. Oh, so you mean like physical washing, not like... Physical washing, yes. Not and then afterwards, production washing kind of thing, yeah. And then in post-production, they also put a slight green tint over some scenes, but everything is just a little bit of hint of green, because green is a colour that it makes people feel uneasy. And it represents that you're in the Matrix, because the colour scheme for the Matrix is green, like the green text. And when you're outside of the Matrix, the colour scheme is blue. Because it mm. contrasts quite well with green. So the real world is blue. The Matrix is green. But when they were doing the Blu-ray version, they got the original, like, you know, just raw cut and put the green filter over everything, including scenes in the real world. Which, which completely goes against the point, yeah. And the Wachowski's got annoyed and they did a re-release of the Matrix that fixed all this. But then that f- they overcorrected and removed the green filter from some of the scenes that are set within the <laughs> Matrix. And then there's another version... And that's what I mean, like, not all Blu-rays are created equal. And mm-hmm. more recently, have you heard about the stuff with, like, with AI being a thing? I've got, like, True Lies on DVD down there. One of my favorite, like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies. Mm-hmm. Have you seen what they've done with True Lies? No. Where they've done, like, an Ultra HD pass with AI. Oh, no. And it's, it's currently the version that's available on Disney. Oh, right, okay. So, obviously... So that's the only version you can watch. And they've fucked it up. Like Arnold Schwartz, and they've added like more lines to his face where there wouldn't be lines. Because like, oh, the AI just tried to add detail where there's no detail. It's exaggerated mm-hmm. detail where there's no detail before. Similarly, music videos. Do you like music videos from the 2010s, Lucas? Do you like you know, uh, All American Rejects, Fat Lip by Sum 41? I mean, that's definitely not 2010s, Fat Lip. But, 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 but yeah. I'm trying to think, in my mind, it's hard to do. But do you like those music videos? Um, last thing is, 2010s I can't specifically say too because like, I was a bigger fan of like 90s and 2000s because like, you know, I watched music, yeah, television, sorry, MTV Rob, and you, stuff back then. Would you remember those old music videos of like, you know, the one for like Fat Lip, the one for like the All American Rejects, like the Green Day ones? Stuff of course, like that? yeah, like um, Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters, I love their music mm-hmm. videos because they t- do a lot of like jokey stuff with them. So, fun fact, if you go and try and watch those on the official Vivo pages, they've all undergone, without any sort of warning or announcement, weird AI filters to make them look better. Yay! Yeah, and a lot of people think they look worse. Like, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people with eyeballs and an understanding <laughs> of, like, you know, like, you know production oh, processes. It reminds uh, me of, like, those um, TVs with the built-in, like, motion-smoothing 60 frames a second mode and shit. Did you see, like, they actually... I think it was, like, David Fincher released a PSA of, like, please start watching Mindhunter with motion-smoothing on. <laughs> I think a lot of directors, like, a lot of they the fucking, time they publicly say, it, like, yeah. the motion-smoothing, like, the 60 FPS, the motion blur, like, turn oh, all God. of those extra smart TV settings the fuck off... They make films look worse. Mm-hmm. If people don't know what we're talking about, like motion smoothing is the thing that makes movies look like um, uh, EastEnders. <laughs> but, but, um, but, but that's my point of like not all Blu-rays are created equally. Like you know, mm-hmm. the quality can vary even between releases of the same film. Yeah. So I was like, I want to get like the best versions of some of my favorite films, and maybe some films I've not seen or haven't appreciated in their full quality. And I got recommended, or I saw guides online talking like. The Blu-ray for Terminator 2 is, like, really good. Because mm-hmm. not only does it have a bunch of extra universe, extra material about the production of the movie, like a documentary and the commentary tracks, which I love, it also, like, you know, the effects hold up. And the pass they've done to improve the quality was really well done. Likewise, The Matrix. I've got The Matrix on Blu-ray, but I had to look up the specific version mm-hmm. so I know which version to get. 
And then I just saw a lot of articles, a lot of like forums, a lot of threads. Do you know what really, really movies like really good? Speed Racer. And Lucas is just shaking his head. And I was like, and I saw so many people talking about how good Speed Racer looks. Mm-hmm. I went, well, I'll get that as well. It's, it's two quid. Got it. First things first, it's 215 minutes long. Yeah, uh, great. Uh, way too long for way any long. like weird, shitty, cartoony anime adaptation needs to be. Like, especially a very, you know, jokey, comedic one. Yeah, and then I saw as well that the Wachowskis did it. Went, oh no, the Wachowskis have—they've had one good movie in twenty years. Mm-hmm. And people always say, "Oh, what about Jupiter Ascending? Jupiter Ascending sucks." And they'll say, "No, no, what about V for Vendetta? V for Vendetta sucks." I mean, v, like V, no, V for Vendetta is good when you're fourteen. Yeah, same as like Watchmen. V for Vendetta is one of those of similar to a Zack Snyder movie, where at least like a lot of the uh, visuals are very cool, and some of the action is like rather done rather well but mm-hmm. like it doesn't hold up any further than that yeah it's uh like it's like my favorite letterbox review of the joker which is like one line long and says a paddling pool feels deep if you've never swam in the ocean and yeah both of those are like great examples of you know hugo weaving great actor very charming joaquin phoenix great actor very charming but like doesn't mean that that movie is great it means those performances are good do you know what I like as well? Hugo Weaving has a very expressive face. Like he has, mm-hmm. He's a very good, expressive actor. Let's put a mask on him. <laughs> okay, um, I'll continue. I'll just wait. I'm just going to let that uh, sit. Yeah, th- th- yeah, like, I don't have anything other to just laugh because, like, yeah, I mean, if anyone that doesn't remember who Hugo Weaving is, it's like Agent Smith, Agent Smith from The Matrix. Anyway, like I bought this movie, and I remember at the time I was there with my ex-girlfriend, and we'd watched like a couple of movies, and we had a movie night, like we watched, and we were skipping through some of them, just to, like watch the big scene. Like I put Terminator 2 on, because like, oh, it's one of my favourite movies, and we were like, you know, looking at like, man, that T-1000 still looks great. Then we put on like King Kong, like Kong Skull Island, like, you know, mm. the gorilla. It's like, see all like the, the bristles on his fur and stuff. And then we went, should we put Speed Racer on? And we put that on, and I remember we sat there, and after about 10 minutes, we just looked at you and went, should we fast forward to like the racing? <laughs> and we went, yeah. And I remember we were fast forwarding and we were fast forwarding for a long time. Mm-hmm. And she just looked at me and went, how long is this movie? Like, it's got to be 90 minutes, right? It's got to be 90 minutes. Like, you know, and, I, and she got the box and went, it's 215 minutes. I went, no. <laughs> and it was and like, you have a similar story, I imagine. Yeah. And I presume it's 135, right? It's like two hours, 15 minutes is what you meant. I think, I think. I don't think it's like three hours something. I can't, I thought, sorry, yeah, yeah. It's two hours, 15 minutes. I keep saying 215. It's two hours, but in my head at the back of the box, I looked <laughs> yeah. at it before we record. I remember 215. Yeah. That's my bad. No, Still, I, I two was hours, just 15. Before the comments came at you, but like. Just what, like it's, I'm, my apologies. Yeah, you know what? I, Obviously, I've either had too much coffee or not enough today. <laughs> I remember that moment of like, oh, yeah, you know. If if you're a fan of these other like anime adaptations and these other cool action movies, like, go hunt down Speed Racer. Like it's really good. And there's two, uh, two Blu-rays that I've been tricked into watching and buying. It was that one. It was that one, and it was the ultimate edition of Batman versus Superman. <laughs> it's like, you cannot make it's it's so bad. And oh. the problem is, like the Wachowskis had one good movie. 
And here's a trick thing about Hollywood folk. You can coast off one good movie for an entire career. Mm -hmm. And the Wachowskis are the perfect example of this of. They made one good movie that is mostly ripped off from other people's stuff. And to be fair... That's the thing as well. In recent years, people realize, oh, wow, yeah. The Matrix is like, they've ripped it off of like four comic books. There's like a comic book that's just The Matrix that they ripped off. And they said, no, we're homaging it. Like, I think maybe back in the 90... Like, back in 99... They got away with it a lot more because anime wasn't as like prevalent in the West and people hadn't yeah. discovered as much anime and manga that they'd ripped off. But at the same time, they did bring out a Hollywood movie that was very influential in Hollywood. Like, and the people say the day. action's good. And it's like they didn't direct the action, UN Wu Ping did. Right, yeah. Um, like, but, and then as well, I, I can't not mention like ripping off anime without mentioning like um, another filmmaker, which is uh, what's he called? Christopher Nolan. With Inception, mm-hmm. where Inception is just an anime called Paprika. Oh, right. Like, okay. straight up to the point where like, the person who made it assumed it was an adaptation and wondered why they didn't get any money for it. <laughs> and Christopher Nolan has never acknowledged that he ripped it off. No. Anyway, Speed Racer is a 2008 sports action comedy film written and directed by The Wachowskis, based on the manga series of the same name and created by Tatsuo Yoshida. The film stars Emile Hirsch, Christina Ricci, John Goodman, Susan Sarandon, Matthew Fox, Roger Allen, Benno Furman, um, Hiroyuki Sanada, Rain, and Richard Roundtree. And just the idea they got. Richard Roundtree, Shaft, mm-hmm. and John Goodman. And they got bad performance out of both of them. And, um, you know, there's a couple of other names in there, like uh, you said Susan Sarandon, Christina Ricci as well. Yep. And they're both, like, really good actors. And it's like... Yep. Yep. They, I mean, you know, everyone, every actor's appeared in, like, some shit as well, and this is one of those. The idea that... I guess we get to that after we start this so, A live-action Speed Racer film had been in development hell since 1992, having changed actors and filmmakers until at least 2006, when producer Joel Silver and the Wachowskis collaborated to begin production on the film. Speed Racer was shot in and around Potsdam and Berlin from June to August 2007. It grossed $93.9 million worldwide on a $120 million budget, making it a box office bomb. It was nominated for multiple categories at the Teen Choice Awards as well as the Golden Raspberry Awards. Which just sums it up, doesn't it? Give it those razzies, it needs it. In subsequent years, Speed Racer has garnered a strong cult following on social media, which I'm aware of because I think I tweeted out, oh, me and Lucas shit on Speed Racer. Oh, I apologise to Lucas for having to get clips of Speed Racer <laughs> for this episode. Of the- and I got like a guy whose account is just a picture of the Mark V, like, you're wrong. <laughs> and his entire account is just pictures of the Mark V. And it's like, these people exist. Yeah. This is it. It's, and if it's, you go look at the comments of that video, it's a bunch of people, no, Speed Racer's great. You're just like shitting on it because like, it's colourful and fun. It's like, so are a lot of movies. And they don't make me want to turn the movie off. Like, Carl and I have mentioned many a time that we, like, classify ourselves as weebs. And huge weebs, love, huge nerds. Love anime and, um, you know, pick up manga every now and then, but obviously manga, when we want physical books like me and Carl do, is quite expensive. $9,000. But, um, you know, we mainly consume anime. And, yeah, we mainly consume, like, big, dumb, stupid, colourful anime as well mm-hmm. on top of that. It's like, we're not afraid of that kind of action or movie. No, it's but it's fascinating. It's like the idea of like someone's like making entire a six out of ten movie their entire personality. 
six out of ten's generous as well. Like, yeah, attaching your personality to such a mediocre to bad film is so weird. Like, the Matrix that... is right there. Just... And I guess as well, because, like, it has this, like, uh, reputation of just, like, kind of being shat on, like, they always have that thing of, like, it never got its due, and that's why I saw a lot of things. Like, here's a film that never got... It was too ahead of its time. People love the underdogs, don't they? People weren't ready for, like, you know, entirely CG race sequences and the colourful movie. I went, okay, okay, let's go watch that. And it's like, the CG looks terrible. People say, oh, it's yeah. colourful and bright like the anime. And he goes, okay, but it looks bad. And <laughs> It's colourful, but it's colourful in service of bad action. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those of, like, I wouldn't mind it as much if at least they were correct about, like, the racing scene at the end being cool, but it's not. It has no, it has no weight. Mm-hmm. And as well, like, I think the problem is, is that the anime was really dumb. And I know people are going to say the original wasn't, but people aren't familiar with it. When you say speed racer, they don't think of the original anime. They think of the Western dub where they all speak really fast. Is that so because go, like... I will race real fast now and I'll do it to challenge my father. Ha-ha! And that's because the, the dubbers were told you have to get across this much information, but there's only like two seconds of the characters on screen. So they had to speak really quick to get all the information across. Yeah, it's like... Japanese as a language is a lot more efficient than English in terms mm-hmm. of like how much you have to say to get your point across. So generally, um, like you know, whenever I see like a lot of speedruns and like people will play in language options like Japanese, so the language is faster than English, for example. Yeah. And you can say it's not accurate to the original source material, but that's the version of the source material ninety five percent of the audience for this film would be familiar with. And mm-hmm. the fact they didn't play into the hammy campy nature of it. Like they did with the visuals. The film is visually very camp, mm-hmm. but the acting is so fucking serious. And like you get John Goodman, <laughs> not John Goodman in it up. And like he doesn't John Goodman it up. That's just, like, such the weird thing, isn't it, of, like, the tone shift between, like, them being super serious and then you pan to, like, a car gliding gently across, like, a non-existent track. It's like the bit right at the end where, like, he has the flashback to his brother. Mm -hmm. And it's like Matthew Fox's face, like, glides in. And you think this is the moment where you do, like, the -the over-the-top thing, like, you have to remember to go fast. And he's like, he's just talking just like normal. He's like, like, he's on episode Lost. It's like, it's like, you no, d- that's the moment where you got to overact. You want just to be super sick. Like, straight pan dead to camera. Like, you don't have to be a driver. You have to be driven. Or something along that line. Like, shit, Lion X. But... It feels like, like they should have acted like they were in the Zoolander movies. Mm-hmm. Do you want the Zoolander movies where there's some people <laughs> in that were serious and they should have had those actors playing against people acting like Derek Zoolander? Mm-hmm. But do you want know that, that tone where they're saying ridiculous things? in a way where they can, they know it's ridiculous instead of treating it so seriously. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I, you know, as you say, I haven't read the original uh, manga or watched the original anime, but I have seen, like, clips of the dumb, silly Western version. And, like, it, it would have been fun if we just got a 90-minute movie of that. And, like, maybe I could have forgiven the weird floaty CGI. And when I say, like, the non-existent track, I just mean that the car clearly doesn't ever make like an impact to any of the tracks like that there's it looks like fucking spy kids 3d where like yeah nothing is actually touching each other it's like two separate entities that don't exist on the same plane and they just kind of are there together 
Yeah, and I would have really, really liked it if they like they just had like you get John Goodman like when the cars crash in. You want people to go <gasps> do that super over exaggerated like anime thing where it's like oh you want that, and he said it's like John Goodman's like. He's got such an expressive face. Let him emote. He's like he's watching fucking Ford versus Ferrari or something. It's so weird. But pre-production. In October 2006, the Wachowskis were brought on board by the studio to write and direct the film. Producer Joel Silver, who would collaborate with the Wachowskis for V for Vendetta and the trilogy Matrix, or the Matrix trilogy, I should say, explained that they were hoping to reach a broader audience with a film that would not be rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. R. That, so, like, visual speed race is not something that would be rated R anyway, right? No, but they started The Matrix, got some guns and violence, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then V for Vendetta. They wanted to make, like, you know, something with broader appeal. Mm-hmm. Visual effects designer John Gator, who won an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects for The Matrix, was brought on in t- to help conceive making Speed Race into a live-action adaptation. So they uh-huh. had an award with an literal Academy Award-winning visual effects director on that film. That's the weird thing is um, a lot of like the Smith clones don't hold up great, but there's quite a lot of the Matrix trilogy that visually holds up very well. And like, mm-hmm. you know, you get moments where it's, you know, um, the motorway fight scene in the yep. second movie where like that shit still looks really cool. Yes. And yeah, a lot of the CGI full human bodies don't, but other than that, it holds up quite well. Well, here's the thing, Lucas. This is where I think like the Wachowskis are hacks because do you know, like the do you know the the opinion people have and the stereotype you have of like Matrix fans who like talk about it as if it's like high art. Mm-hmm. And the thing I always reference is the Matrix references and directly name drops a lot of heady philosophical themes. For example, the work of Jean Baudrillard, the French philosopher, and his work um, uh, Simulacre and Simulation, I think it is. I always forget the way they go around mm-hmm. and. Like to the point where that book is directly name dropped in the film. It's the book that Neo opens to put in um, uh, the file that he gets right at the start. And the Wachowskis, they love that they reference all this stuff and they gave every actor a bunch of like heady philosophical tones that they were instructed they had to read and write, be able to write a thesis on to understand <laughs> their film. Someone managed to corner Jean Baudrillard before he dies and asked him, have you seen The Matrix? He's like, yeah. Do you know it references your work? He's like, does it? Well, yes. It's like, what would you say to the Wachowskis? Like, they do not understand my work. They fundamentally misunderstand the point I was making. Yeah. It's that. So it's like, it's more like, you know, and I should probably say maybe the stereotype people have of film students. Mm-hmm. Do you know, film students think they're hot shit. Yes. Like, I read one book and now I'm an expert on it. Mm-hmm. That's the Wachowskis. And you might think that's a bit of an unfair reading. What gives you like what makes you think that cow? Well, producer Joel Silver describes Speed Race as a family film in in line with the Wachowski's goal to reach a wider audience. So you want to see it as a family-friendly fun action romp. However, contrary to the apparent mainstream appeal of the project, the directors decide to take the source material in an avant-garde direction, declaring, okay, we're going to assault every single modern aesthetic with this film. Did you say assault? <laughs> Yes, we are going to assault every single modernist. They deliberately made it look ugly to be avant-garde and different. Yeah, you can feel it. <laughs> Jesus. They continue. Um, uh, so, Warner Bros. were initially gleeful that the directors chose to take on a known entity that seemed like a family movie for kids. But when executives reviewed the work in progress, they were like, <laughs> oh my God, are you insane? What are you doing? This is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. And we were all like, yes, 
That's the reason we're making it. And Warner Bros. are there like, that's not the reason we fucking hired you to do this, though. For the Wachowskis, the film presented a unique opportunity to experiment with techniques of postmodernist cinema, as they believe the film's younger target audience will be more receptive to radical experimentalism than adults. And it's like, it's just word salad, right? You can feel yeah. the pretentious film student energy radiating off these statements, can't you? Of like, well, we got you... tasked with making a simple family-friendly romp with a well-known property a lot of people have an affinity for. No, we're going to make it arty and avant-garde. It's like, do you know what avant-garde means? And like, no, but we're going to make it. You know, that's a word you say. <laughs> that's that's like what I was confused about. Is because it's just meant to be like this fun children's film with like a cool, you know, um, anime influence. And it's like all like fun and childish and lighthearted. And like, no, you know what kids are going to be all up in for? Like fucking postmodern filmmaking and ah oh, Lucas off. the pretentious film student energy does not end here so in a 2012 interview Lana Wachowski said and I quote the whole impetus for Speed Racer came out after the fact I'll try again sorry because I messed that up so in a 2012 interview Lana said the whole impetus for Speed Racer came out of the fact that we were visually thinking people we go to art galleries and art museums all the time. We go into the Art Institute of Chicago, and every room there, there are paintings that look completely and utterly different from other rooms. But in cinema, everything looks the same, and it's a really aggressive straight jacket aesthetically. We started talking about cubism, for instance, and we were talking about how you could make a cubist film. And we realised that you could try to make a cubist film for adults, you'll end up like Picasso, running from the angry mob when he first showed Guernica. They wanted to kill him. Literally, it's because the adults, they, they reject change, and an aesthetic change is too aggressive, a death for them. Every generation experiences aesthetic death. When you really assault an aesthetic, people freak out. But we said, kids are okay with aesthetic change. And it's like, shut up and make the anime. It's, it's based yeah. on a fucking anime from the 60s where people race and crash cars. Like, I, it's not that deep. I, I understand what they're saying and how much... I, like, I get it. I, I get I how film. much just awful homogeny is within Hollywood. And like, yeah, people should be trying to get outside of that. But the like silly childhood anime adaptation is not the movie you're meant to do that with. It's also, as well, just the, it really smacks off, like, so that was in 2012. It really mm -hmm. smacks off. People hated it, so we're going to come up with a wordy, like, reason why. They actually just don't get it. It's like, would you, when you like, go into, like, you watch a film, it's like, it's shit. Mm-hmm. People are like, no, actually, you just don't understand it. It's like, no, I've got a degree in breaking down media. I understand everything you've just said. It's still wank. And would you like the Flash movie where there was that oh, guy gosh. saying, no, the CGI <laughs> looked bad on purpose? <laughs> It's meant to be bad for a reason. It's like, was the reason that you had to rush the project out and fart it? Like, Do you know my favourite example of that? Like, And this is trick. People don't believe when I say it, but you can go look it up. When Bloodborne came out, because obviously it's a FromSoft game. You can't criticise a FromSoft game. So a lot of people were mentioning, like, this game it looked visually fantastic. The the setting, this, like, you know, gothic, like, Victorian London-style setting, the combat is visceral, meaty, all those buzzwords people use. The loading, not so much. It, maybe they can fix the loading. People were legitimately saying the loading being shit was an intentional design choice, so you had time to think about what went wrong. And, and it's it, like, just accept that they poorly optimised the game. Yeah, it's so funny now because the biggest Bloodborne fans now in, you know, 2024 are begging 
for, for like remaster. some remaster of that game or just an update. Like, you know, for the longest time, it was like, oh, we don't care. Don't make a remaster. Just give us an update to the game. Just make it 60 frames a second and low better. But back in the day, they, they couldn't take any criticism about FromSoft. But then as well, and then they had to come up with these like wordy answers for like, well, no, no, you know, it's a, it's a, the reason the loading takes so is so you can sit there and think about what you did. It's like it's a commentary on the fact you want to rush through the world. It's like no, they just poorly optimized it. Like it things can just like sometimes shit. be bad because people weren't good at what they like. It could be bad because they rushed it, or they just made a mistake, or they didn't understand something. Things are sometimes just bad. And it really reads like that of like they're just salty that people give it bad reviews. You know what? It was just too ahead of its time. So, like, so like, why does it look like? Why does it look worse than movies that came out five years prior? That's what gets me about the Bloodborne one. Is like people gave it fucking incredible reviews. People love that game so hard, and they had one criticism, and the fanboys had to be no, 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 no. You just don't get it. But Lucas, are you ready to come back with some more? film school nonsense so oh, while God. planning out the film's pace and structure the simple the siblings embraced uh, techniques of non-linear narrative such as stream of consciousness storytelling from modernist novels like ulysses by james joyce to purple america by rick moody seeking to play with conventions of cinematic language as those authors are done with prose he's like shut up <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> the best part is, like, they got hired to just make a dumb kids film. <laughs> it's like, just make the, kids, like... make the kids movie and make it fun. They de-emphasise uh, traditional oh. cuts in favour of more fluid transitions with the intention that scenes would feel, this is a quote, like this experimental flowing thing that was transcending the normal, simple, linear narrative. And it's like, just make the movie. Be... <laughs> Oh dear, it's like, the go and do bright... this with your own thing, fine. The film's bright, colourful, smooth look, so they even acknowledge that it was smooth and had like no texture, mm-hmm. um, is indebted to pop art, including paintings by Roy Lichtenstein and art photography by Andy Warhol, David LaChapelle and Jill Greenberg. Not the original anime, no, it's how they, like, it wasn't inspired, it's like, no, it's by pop art. And I do wonder... Just, you know, as a bit of a thought experiment, like when people started, you know, quote unquote, reevaluating this movie and how old the people that are doing so are, because is it just that a lot of kids saw a bright thing when they were six and can't accept that it was bad? I think it's as well the Wachowskis have a very dedicated following because I think it's a bit again, of both. It's similar to like, the, the inverse, like, kind of like, like, like the flip side of the coin to like Zack Snyder, mm-hmm. where it's like they similarly make movies that a lot of people assume are deep. And I said, as someone, I literally have a degree in media and communications. Like I spent literal like half a decade of my life learning how to break down and study film, mm-hmm. and like all these concepts that they're mentioning. And I look at it and go, no, it's not. It's like you just know these words, and you know that if people who don't understand these words hear you saying them, they're going to think it's smarter than it is. Like yeah. saying stuff like, you know, it's inspired by like you know postmodern, like it's inspired by modernist novels like Ulysses and stuff. It's like, no, it's not. It's like just you made a bad movie. <laughs> so oh, we, we de-emphasize traditional cuts instead of like you know the fluid transitions. So which sounds really fancy, right? Do you know what that mm-hmm. means? Just means you use like um, dissolves. Yeah. Do you know that thing you do in like you know Premiere where you like drag the clip and it sticks together? No. That. <laughs> do you know? Yeah, that thing where you're in Premiere Pro and you press use default transition. Yeah. But they make it's like, and that's such a simple thing. And obviously, you can use filmmaking techniques like that to 
say something. You know, the language of cinema is you know a, an, a thing that exists, and you can use or dislike. You know, unuse not unuse. I'm like. I've broken my brain reading all this shit. Well, you can, like, you know, you can use the cinematic language to tell a story, or you can deliberately subvert it mm-hmm. in the same way. It should, but it just reads so much like we we want to sound smarter than we are. Oh yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And I I say like part of this might be a from like the learnings of like the Matrix fans having to argue about the matrix for years and like whether the second and third film were good and they weren't spoilers but like also is it just the Wachowskis learning like well if we tell them that like they just didn't get the ending of the matrix that we can kind of like bullshit our way around that being an awful ending my favorite thing about the matrix is that the Wachowskis really really don't like that fan theory that the end of the matrix Neo's still within another layer of it like, do and you the mean re- the thing that almost only fixes the trilogy? <laughs> so people don't know the ending of the Matrix where like, Neo leaves the Matrix but still has his powers while he's outside of the Matrix. There is a very popular fan theory that that is actually another layer to the Matrix. Like, you know, it's a, like the Matrix is just a sub layer of a wider system that keeps people enslaved, which is hinted at both, like, you know, kind of hinted at and also like, outright stated when they talk about the construction of the Matrix, that like, it's multiple layers and that the mm-hmm. Matrix is a. It, there's a whole bunch of like things that would suggest that that's the case. To the point where, when we mentioned that in a previous Wiki Weekends, you assume that was the ending, right? Yeah, I thought that, like, oh, the real world, quote-unquote, is actually just another layer of the Matrix, and when they think they've won, that satiates all the humans, and then that means that the machines don't actually lose anything. Yes, and I had to tell you that, no, that's a fan theory, and... But it's a fan theory that makes so much sense that basically a lot of people, myself included, assume that it's just the way it works. Because there's like things about the Matrix that don't make sense. For example, oh, humans are batteries. Which is not how that would work. Mm-hmm. Like that makes literally no sense. Like it and originally in the script, they the Wachowskis again, they said, well, in the script originally it was supposed to be processing power. They were using human brains for processing power. But that was too complex for people to get. And it's like, is it that? Or is it that someone pointed that out after the fact and that made more sense to you? Mm-hmm. And then you like took that on your own. But they Just retconned re- it. But they really, really hate that ending. And on multiple occasions said, no, that's not what we intended. And I think it's legitimately because it's just smarter than what they come up with. And, and they the, just can't accept it. The stretching that I've heard of excuses of like, well, why does Neo's powers work outside the Matrix? Then it's well, actually, it's like it's like almost like the Matrix is reaching back out into the real world to find Neo to give him the powers and all this. That or it was just another layer of the Matrix, and that makes way more fucking sense. And because the, the machines the are of, like thought of contingency plans. Yeah, and the whole point of the story is that Neo like realizes like it's like you know that's why he's the one because he realizes that the supposed real world is actually another layer. And it allows him to influence the real world, the real quote-unquote world, the same way he does the Matrix, because he's realized it's all part of the same system. And they hate that. They hate it so much. And that's what makes it really funny. Yeah. Anyway, you know, we've got one more thing to cover here. Animal Cruelty Incident. Wait, what? During its production, Animal Rights Group, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, Peter, made allegations of animal cruelty against the film, reporting that one of the two chimpanzees used in production was allegedly beaten with a stick after biting a child actor. And 
I'm only smiling a little bit there. Because it's because... just so weird. It's such a weird <laughs> sentence, right? No, it's because the one thing I didn't think would be linking the wikis this week were Peter having a problem with the thing. Oh, okay. So in- <laughs> it just made me smile a little bit that that's like the link we've got this week. The incident was later confirmed by the American Humane Association, the AHA, animal safety representatives on the set. So, people don't know, if you're making a movie with animals and you want to get that little thing at the end that says no animals were harmed, you mm-hmm. have to have a representative from the American Humane Association on set whenever the animal is present. Uh, even if the animal is something like an insect or a fish. Yes. No animals. And the AHA representative stated that towards the end of filming, during a training session in the presence of the American Humane representative, the trainer, in an uncontrolled impulse, hit the chimpanzee. The AHA film unit referred to this abuse as completely inexcusable and unacceptable behaviour in the use of any animal. Yeah, and the fact that it's like, oh, it's a, it was an uncontrolled impulse. It's like, does just that mean you do it behind the scenes as well? You just didn't want to be like... They also say that the film was on their unacceptable list, chiefly because of this incident and a separate incident where five piranhas died of unexplained causes. Oh. Yes. It's very weird. And Lucas, I'm not going to tell you about the critical response, but something that you notice when you cover a lot of wikis, or you you read a lot of them, Mm -hmm. is that you can tell when someone who's a fan of the thing um, edited the wiki, or contributed to it, because Critical Response has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven paragraphs. Oh, no. Yes. And it's like, the movie at the time received unfair response. Oh, no. No, it didn't. And then, like, but that's what it says. Yeah, you're exactly right. But then there are five separate paragraphs talking about all the positive reviews and things that were good about it. Mm. So even though it opens with... On Rotten Tomatoes, the approval percentage is 42% based on 218 reviews with an average of 5.2 out of 10. The critics' consensus states, overloader with headache-inducing special effects, Speed Racer finds the Wachowski focused on visual thrills at the expense of a coherent storyline. They just don't get it. It's actually non-linear storytelling. <laughs> on Metacritic, the film has a score of 37 out of 100 based on 37 critic reviews, indicating a generally unfavorable response. Mm-hmm. However... Audiences polled by CinemaScore gave the film an A minus on an A plus to F scale. And then, like, every subsequent paragraph is like a positive review. Um, this character was secretly like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. These are the kind of people who convinced <sighs> Carl and I to buy a copy. And then got annoyed at us for saying it's bad. And it's like, you're not going to convince me. It's the same reason, like, when I say, like, the first Matrix movie is good if you, like, you know, look at it as a watershed moment for Hollywood and action films. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The film itself is not great, but what it accomplished and did for the industry is, like, you know, it's still felt to this day. Yes. And, like, you know, the production of it is more interesting than the film itself. But then when you mention that, like, no, The Matrix is good, it's like, oh, okay. It's like, I, I think it's a very good movie. And I think, you know... Standalone, A yes, lot of it, obviously, as we mentioned, is just nowadays we found out is basically just ripped off from other shit and it followed up with two awful awful sequels well three awful sequels in fact i still love as well when people say well the animatrix is good and they they credit that to the wakowskis it's like no they like no they had broad overviews and storylines it was all handled by like outside studios including i think studio trigger hmm who did um, uh, like one of the best like it's just yeah that's what the matrix should be the matrix should be like Star Wars, where it's a universe that someone made, 
let's let people who are more competent than George Lucas make stories within it. Exactly, yeah. It's similar to like, oh, The Matrix Online was fun. It's like, yeah, but the Wachowskis had nothing to do with it. Yeah. So they produced so I've just double checked now. It was directed by Andy Jones, Mahiro Maeda, um, uh, Shinshiro Watanabe, Yoshikaka Kawajiri, Takeshi Koki, Koji Morimoto, Peter Chung. It was written by the Wachowskis and produced by them. But it was also written by Mahiro Maeda, Shinshiro <laughs> Watanabe, Yoshiaki Kawajiri. Basically, they wrote one story in it mm-hmm. and then produced the rest. And the rest was just handled by anime studios who just made it way better. I presume that's one of those like ensemble movies where each got like different vignettes you know yeah different vignettes of like 10 minutes of different anime styles making one big contingent movie yeah yeah but people always credit it to the wachowskis it's like no the majority of it was made by outside anime studios who just ignored everything the wachowskis said (laughs) but yeah that's um uh... (laughs) speed racer (laughs) does never speak of it again so i you know I guess let us know how wrong we are in the comments again. You, but, you, you know. will never convince me. No. I, like, last thing, it, it's not that you're trying to convince Carl or I to watch the movie. We both watched it in very good quality. I watched it in the best quality it is available to be viewed in. And, no, you can't convince us. And well, a lot of it boils, people just say you don't get it as well. Like, mm. I've had people say you don't get it. It was trying to, like, the reason it's so colourful and everything jumps around the screen is because it was based on the anime. And it's like, we've just read interviews and quotes from the Wachowskis. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. They don't, they didn't mention the anime it's based on at all. Like, yeah. oh, it's like the story structure is really bad and awkward. Oh, but it's like an anime. It's like, no, they based it on fucking books. They wanted to, like, reverse tropes of Hollywood, not base it off an anime. Yeah, it's not a direct adaptation. In fact, like, you know, at no point in the um, uh, thing, do they ever mention the original Speed Racer at all? Mm-hmm. Like, the source material was immaterial to yeah. what they were producing. They just wanted to, like, you know, fuck up the Hollywood system, which, you know, I can respect that in a way. That's the thing. Like, I respect the Wachowski as filmmakers in some ways. Like, they're thinking, like, we're just going to make what we want. Like, I can yeah, respect that. Just don't use, like, an existent IP that people have love and care for. What's well, when, Jupi- when they made Jupiter Ascending? They have a really great concept in Jupiter Ascending. Well, I think Jupiter Ascending, if I'm remembering correctly, they talk about how in the universe, almost every resource is infinite. Or oh, there's, like, so much of it, you will never be, um, uh, like, you'll, you'll never be able to use it all. There's only mm. one resource that people cannot get more of and that's time that is a fascinating concept for a sci-fi movie but the movie sucks the concept is great and i would love to see it explored more the way they handled it sucked i thought you were gonna say that uh, idea in there i thought you were gonna say the only thing left is unobtainium (laughs) (laughs) it's an interesting sci-fi like the concept of the matrix is a fascinating concept yeah just uh, you know you know most of her movies are lacking in the execution half of the, the yeah. exercise. And a lot of the stuff that ends up, people always single out as looking good. Like, oh, the action's really good. So they didn't direct the action. UN Wu Ping did. Oh, so you're going to say of the... Speed Racer was like, it just doesn't no. look good, though. That's the thing. And that's why the action in like The Matrix Resurrections... Again, I saw people saying, well, that's a deliberate thing. It's to show how watered down Hollywood's become oh, since then. It's like, just say, just say it looks bad. So the action's bad on purpose because it's supposed to be a commentary on the diet. Or maybe it's because they didn't have 
the guy who directed like the action in Kill Bill on set. Here's a hint. Most things that are bad are just bad. They're not intentionally bad. Especially when budgets come down to like hundreds of millions of dollars and they're so looking maybe, for an actual return on that shit. Maybe it was just incompetence. Yeah. But yes, that's... Uh, it's, that's uh, I just like to clarify that at the end. Like, you know, I respect them as filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and there's got some good ideas in there, but it's just that thing of I cannot stand when someone tells me you just don't get it. Yeah. I hate that. He's like, I do. I, I do. I do. Anyway, it's Carl. It's still bad. Can we take a quick break so we can, we yes. can uh, move on swiftly oh. from the speed? The speed, ironically enough. Well, no, we don't move on swift. What we do is we jump in the air and then spin around really shiny, and then our car goes sideways. And then we vaguely bounce over an image that yeah. looks vaguely like a track mm-hmm. and kind of follow its path. Okay, mm-hmm. got it. Got it. Anyway, let's, let's take on. a break. <laughs> so we've returned from our bathroom and coffee breaks, Lucas. And before we move on to your wiki, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. And I'd like to start by saying on the 2nd of February, so in two or three weeks' time. Uh, be, that looks like about two weeks' time. It will be my birthday. And I've been taking a break from streaming um, because I'm doing dry January as mentioned in the previous podcast, and I will be returning to streaming. It's my birthday. You can't have a drink on your birthday, and I will be playing through what game, Lucas? Hmm. Maybe thinking it might be Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. Yes, I'm going to be playing through that as usual, but because it's my birthday, it's going to be my birthday stream. So if you'd like to wish me a happy birthday and support me, just like, you know, mark that date in your calendars. And uh, yeah, I normally do a um, birthday stream and my birthday will be like this week, but I'm actually uh, have time off to like yes. go and do something as a surprise for my birthday. I'm not sure what it is, but yeah, I actually won't be doing a birthday stream this year, but you can find me streaming um, currently Mass Effect Mondays, Tuning Tuesdays, which is Zelda games, and then Thunder Badge Thursdays, which is Pokemon games, mm-hmm. and that is just like my usual rotation um, every week at the moment, and you can find that at twitch.tv slash Legend of Kanto. Oh yeah, vice twitch.tv forward slash Carlswood. There we go. Do you mention that? We don't want to do a stream into your birthday. It'll be the Sunday this week, right? It's 21st? Yes, yeah. So you don't want to do one on Saturday leading into your birthday, or are you taking the full uh, weekend I'm, I'm kind of busy over like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday on different doing different things with different people and stuff. So yeah. So I was debating doing like the thing I used to do of like a Smash stream of like getting Smash playing Smash, but mm-hmm. like I know I'm seeing you like the week before anyway. Yeah, you'll be seeing me like a, a few days before for like you know, definitely will be a you know somewhere at a Pokemon event. So if you can yes. find us at a Pokemon event. We will be there. Yes. But I thought, like, you know what, I'll just, it's a Friday. I'm like going out for my birthday with my parents, like for a meal in the week. I'm going out on the weekend to see friends. Like, Friday's like one of those days where, as I've gotten older, it's less and less about actually doing anything. It's more just take the day to decompress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, you, know. you know, see some family and friends and relax and, like, yeah. And then just play Metal Gear Avengers. Be chill. And, you know, speaking of the event that we are going to, Carl. So you mentioned uh, I left Peter. a couple of hints. You, you know. mentioned Peter. It's Pokemon, right? Because Peter hates Pokemon. 
Uh, yes, they have notoriously over the years like had many campaigns against Pokemon because it, so um, it essentially promotes like dog fighting in Peter's eyes. Because yeah, here's the thing about Peter of like they've got a really slick marketing department, and when you mm-hmm. think animal rights charities, you immediately your mind goes to Peter, and they've got so many celebrities because it's ostensibly a very very good cause of do you give a shit about animals? Yes. Would you like them to not be mistreated? Also, yes. The problem is, is Peter is fucking weird. Like you said, they don't like yeah. Pokemon because it promotes dogfighting. They don't like people having pets full stop. Like, people in Peter don't like you having a dog. So it's not like, and I don't mean like having a dog that's not like spayed and neutered mm-hmm. and like, well, what's after? They just don't like people having dogs. And then you it's... have like those like statistics of they had their own Peter branded, um, uh, was it now like dog pound that had like a 98% kill rate and there's stories of people having their dogs taken to one and killed that afternoon it's just one of those weird things of like on the face of it it sounds like a good operation but the moment you delve into it it's like oh this is some real fucked up radical shit but also as well they that's what the one all the celebrities go for like you had that famous one of like you know um, we think it looks better on the animal, where they had like mm-hmm. a bunch of like super hot actresses wear like nothing at all to like, you know speak out against fur. Mm-hmm. And so just in this one, if you want to support an animal charity, American Humanist, the American Humane Association. There's a reason why Hollywood works with them and not Peter. Yeah, and like it is one just of those support the American Humane like, Association if you're in America or the RSPCA in the UK. I just want to clarify when I say radical, I mean like radicalist, not radical as in like oh radical dude like that night. Yeah. He's like oh this is great. It's like well, no, it's not. But anyway, very, very extreme views. Like I said, like <clears throat> they hate Pokemon. It promotes dog fighting. No, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking, you know, of Pokemon, I am talking about Pokemon today. And yes. The thing that I specifically want to bring up is the idea of mythical Pokemon because one just got introduced into the new game. I don't care. I, don't, I mean, not about your entry, but yes, like mythical. Yeah, yeah. Like I could not give less of a fuck about whatever the latest mythical slash legendary slash stupid overpowered piece of shit they've introduced to Pokemon is. That thing is the reason I care is because I'm trying to like have a living Dex throughout every single game entry, so I want to get it for collection purposes mm-hmm. to sit in Pokemon Home and never be utilised. Just send it to Pokemon Purgatory, yes. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's one of those things of, like, mythical Pokemon, for anyone that don't understand, there's, like, mm-hmm. there's a hierarchy, levels, yes. there's, like, a hierarchy of Pokemon, yeah, there's, like, general Pokemon, which is, you, you know, your everything's... Your Pikachu, your Eevee, like your your um, you start a Pokemon, your regular Pokemon. All of them are like they're all like mascot Pokemon and first partner Pokemon, which is what mm-hmm. many people know as starter Pokemon. But they all classify as just Pokemon. Yeah. And then there are legendary Pokemon. That's so, like, for yeah, example, now. in the it's first the, game, it's usually the trios, right? Uh, a lot, of, a lot of the. Pokemon, so it's basically any of the like legendary Pokemon where you have a like you know a setting count where you can like catch like one maybe per game. Um, I think there are you know some occasions where it's not just one, but you generally it's like you you know you catch one. It's like the Pokemon on the front of the box that's always like a legendary Pokemon in the later games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know anything like the the Zapdos, Articuno, the Moltres, the Mewtwo, they are legendary Pokemon because they are obtainable through regular playthrough 
in your regular gameplay. Yes. And mythical Pokemon... A step beyond. A step beyond that, because they are essentially legendary Pokemon, yes, but they are Pokemon that are generally, like, exclusive to events. So they're they're given their own status of, like, they're so legendary that you can't even get them in the game. They do not exist within the game's code. Yeah, exactly. And Well, they're in the code, but they're hidden away. Um, They do not exist within regular... You cannot obtain them through regular gameplay. You have to do something outside of the game, usually, to get them. Uh, aside from like you know glitches and the first gen to get Mew and stuff like that, like generally you know to get Mew, you have to go to an event to get gifted Mew. You could glitch it, but you couldn't get a legitimate Mew mm-hmm. through regular gameplay. The idea of a legit Mew, like that's the thing is, I wonder. Like I presume it's just like people had little cheat cartridges and stuff back in the day. The amount of the amount of kids on the playground back in the day was like no. Um, my uncle went to Japan and took my Game Boy and got me a real Mew. No, we just like, cheated for did it. They? Did they? I'm like, fuck you, give me it. <laughs> um, it still sucked anyway. Mewtwo was still better. Yeah, that's the thing is just Mewtwo was still, still much like, more broken Pokemon in like, battle anyway. Yeah, like Mew's not even like in the top. Like when you go look at the tier list for like the first book, like M- Tauros is better than Mew <laughs> because Tauros had like ridiculous speed, special, and attack and HP and could learn like almost every. It doesn't matter that Mew can learn every move when Tauros can learn um, Blizzard. But similar to Mew, um, a lot of these mythical Pokemon also get like movies that they star in or at least cameo in as like mm-hmm. mythical Pokemon. And mythical Pokemon or event-exclusive Pokemon, less commonly known as Mirage Pokemon. That's a uh, cool name. It's like that's something that's that you my thought one. you saw. That's a good name yeah. for it. Like it's something that you're not quite sure if it exists. It's like, wait, I saw this guy with like a Pokemon that I've never seen before, mm. and like it doesn't exist. It's not a Pokemon that you can get in the game. It's like, but I saw somebody else with it. Every now and again, you gotta go look up that that forum thread on people who insist that they saw a Digimon. Oh god! I saw it, Lucas. It was there. <laughs> um, they are a special group of Pokemon that are rarely seen by anyone in the world of Pokemon. So <laughs> giving are... them day one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like it's so led. They're so <laughs> mythical, except for Zero Aura, which they gave you a shiny one of, which makes it even less special. That, and that's that we we can get to. We can get to that. Yes. Um, some are so rarely seen that people are unsure if they really exist, and obviously this is in like the Pokemon world. In the world, yeah. In our world, it's like it's on the box. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's not even on the box. It's like, oh, do you want to just like enter a mystery gift code to get like your your new mythical? Yeah. Um, that spurred spot. That spurred scientists to do research. Mythical Pokemon were once considered part of legendary Pokemon outside of the Japanese media until Generation Five. Um, is that when they started putting all like the weird bullshit in you had to do to get those rare Pokemon? Not really, no. Like Victini um, and stuff? No, because like, I think Victini, again, was just an event. Just, um, and yeah, mythical Pokemon are rarely obtainable through non-event methods. For a comprehensive list of such instances, check out the trivia section of this page, which we will do. It still cracks um, me loosely like giving out with McDonald's, because that's such a genius idea of like yeah. giving you a code with like a happy meal for a rare Pokemon. Well, look at what happened, you know, the last couple of times where um, just booster packs of, like, you get three cards if you go get a Happy Meal at McDonald's, yep. and like, adults were going in, like, give me 50 Happy Meals. Gangbusters, let's go. 
Oh, but yeah, it all obviously kicked off Generation 1 with Mew, known as the ancestor of all Pokemon, and it is considered to be the rarest Pokemon of all, which is fucking hilarious when it's like, okay, if you buy, like, the... Happy Meal. The... (laughs) Well, it wasn't even that. It was like, what was which game was it that came out? And it was like, oh well, if you buy, I think it might have been Pokemon Let's Go with the additional Pokeball that costs like fifty dollars. We will also have a Mew inside of the Pokeball to transfer. It's like, do you think like FIFA and stuff ever like just look at Pokemon and go, why do you get away with this? (laughs) Why do people give us shit like charging people? Like you release two games that are stent. Like people make fun of FIFA. They're like, oh, it's just the same game. And it's like, well, it's not because they completely overhaul like, um, uh, like the rosters and stuff, which is like literally thousands of players. Whatever. Like, it admittedly could be an update could, an to update. FIFA. Yeah. But they say, so, you know, it's, but they'll say like, they, poke, they look over at like Nintendo and Game Freak. They literally release the same game. They, they release the same game color. and take out content from the game to split it up into two versions and yep. go like, look games and then like you know like warner bros must look at them and, like they're getting criticized like oh you're making like shang sung he's not like you know you've got to pre-order the game to get shang sung and pokemon's like you have to buy a 50 dollar accessory to get mew yeah oh god and like, yeah all the companies must like hate pokemon just the fact alone that they get away with selling two copies of every iteration of a game. Just the things as well, like, you know, when people are making fun of, like, um, games for looking bad. And it's like, the game looks <laughs> fine, and then Pokemon comes out and people defend it. Yeah. Well, it's Pokemon, what do you expect? It's like, it's the single most valuable piece of intellectual property on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't even fucking give us textures on the rocks. It's like, oh, but it, it, it's the switch. It's not very powerful. And then I load up like Tears of the Kingdom, and it's like it looks three times better, and it's got three times the draw distance in the open world as well. I'm like, it's insane. What's your excuse? And I guess it's because they did it first. It's that simple. They they did it first. They had the balls to do it first. If they think if they try to do it now, people are like no fuck off. Also, gr- it gets grandfathered in. They did it to us as kids. Yep. And you have a nostalgia for it. And like, as we mm-hmm. talked about multiple times, like the quote we always say is, it's like when people defend something, it's like, is it that it's good or is it that you watched it when you were 15? Mm-hmm. Now, the old thing, we always say that, don't we? It's like, it's not good, it's just you were 14, 15. Yeah. It's like, you know, is Pokemon the greatest gaming franchise of all time? Or is it a bunch of like, okay to very good games depending on what part of pokemon you're talking about is like it's as i mentioned earlier it's never been like a 10 out of 10 series but it's a series which just bombards you with a bunch of cute creatures and gives you mm-hmm. plushes and anime and stuff and it's like yeah it's uh, again there's a there's the other quote about music isn't it like it's very strange how everyone always seems to think that the best music ju- is just coincidentally the music they listened to when they were 14 yeah. everyone always says like music sucks now it's, it was better when i was younger it's like you mean when you were a teenager forming a personality exactly like l- your literal formative years yeah that's why they call them that and it's if you look back and you think like a lot of the media you consume during those formative years ends up being the media that you like as an adult or it informs the decisions you make as an adult in regards to your media choices. And, um, yeah, just getting back to, you know, the mythical Pokemon. Mythical Pokemon. <laughs> um, well, it's like, I... it's one of those of, I, 
I do fall into that category a little bit because, like, to me, I'm like, well, Mew was a really cool idea of, like, those two versions of this game, but in neither version you can get this one Pokemon. It's like Looking you... back as an adult, though, it's like, fuck you. Yeah, it is 100% fuck you. And, um, it... like, okay. the, the anecdote that people might talk about is, like, if we don't mention it, it's just that, you know, originally Mew wasn't planned and it was apparently one rogue developer that, like, this threw had... in Mew at the end of development without really, like, getting approval properly. Which happens a lot in Pokemon. But you think about, like, do people complain about shit being like, it's on the disc, but you can't access it? Mm-hmm. Pokemon invented that, basically. They're putting <laughs> shit, it, shit on the cartridge that's in the game. It works, it functions, but you're not allowed to access it. Fuck you, go to Japan and go get one. Yeah. And again, like they get away with it because they've done it that long. They got grandfathered in. But mm-hmm. I guarantee, like, you know, like Call of Duty comes out. People are like, oh, all these skins are already in the game. You're like, piece me them out to us. It's like, Pokemon do it. All these Pokemon are in the game. But fair play to Mew, because Mew was like um, essentially credited as part of the reason that Pokemon got popular, right? Yeah, it's like it contributed to the popularity. It's that um, the schoolyard rumor. Like everyone mm-hmm. in the comments can probably tell us about what was the Pokemon rumor in your school. It was like, I remember people telling me, did you know there's a secret extra HM called Jump that lets you jump over into Bill's garden? There's a Mew in his garden. Oh, well, obviously, like, the one that I heard that was, I guess, the most famous one of all yep. is, like, the um, un- like the Mew is under the truck, and if you, SSM, like, cut yeah. on the truck or strength on the strength truck or something... To push the truck aside, yeah. To push the truck aside, yeah, that was it. Which I did try um, as a kid. It's like you intentionally die on the SSM, and then you can access it after it leaves. Yeah. With and it's a, Yeah, it's one of those things of if you work your way to get to that area of the game, which is not normally accessible, mm-hmm. new strength on the truck, it's like, it still doesn't work, nothing happens, but mm-hmm. there is that very repeatable glitch to guarantee yourself a Mew, where it's like, there's like two trainers in the game where you can like, soft lock yourself into like, a, encountering them as you press pause and then fly away and then do yeah. all this other shit and actually encounter Mew in the game with a glitch but which some of it felt intentional and then like the more you learn about it as you get older it's like Pokemon was just held together with duct tape and hope <laughs> like especially generation one is generation just one like is nightmarish a, a complete mess of accidents and it, it's a magical wonder that it managed to get like the, the franchise to where works, it, yeah. it is now just, because just stuff like yeah, like focus energy in game tells you it doubles your critical hit chance. In the code, it makes your critical hit chance zero. <laughs> it's like it literally did the exact opposite of what it said. And like, um, I think it's in generation two, um, but it may be further on than that. Um, where the apricot balls or the apricot balls, um, they have like certain things like the moonstone, mm-hmm. for example, is like oh well, it um helps your chance at like getting any Pokemon that can evolve with a Moonstone. It actually doesn't do that. It just works like a regular Pokeball. And it's like, um, there's another one where it's like, oh, it's meant to be like any Pokemon that can be evolved with like other stones or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, in fact, what it does is like any Pokemon that can be evolved using a Burn Heal, which is zero Pokemon. (gasps) So it never helps your chance of catching any Pokemon. (sighs) And yeah, that just hopes and dreams were those games made by. But mm-hmm. at least, like, yeah, Mew did a, like very much attribute towards the popularity of the entire franchise. And then, like, the first Pokemon movie saw Mew Mewtwo, and 
I do have that affinity for them in the sense of like, oh, but Mew is like this cute little adorable cat-like creature that floats around and, you know, again, I was a kid, so therefore it's my favourite mythical. Again, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, just it's very fun to look back on though with the modern lens of how much people fucking hate this thing. Like mm-hmm. this, this, this stuff that they do with gaming, of like piecemealing out content for me, hiding stuff behind discs, releasing like special editions that have stuff in that, like you know, is already on the disc that you're not allowed to access. And like Pokemon did it all; it basically invented it, mm-hmm. and it gets away with it because it did it first. And then, um, obviously, from then on out, we've had mythical Pokemon in every single generation. Um, they, it sells gangbusters. People love getting Pokemon. It's like in Generation Two, we had the Pokemon Celebi. Um, shout out it. to you know the website Cerebi, which is named after the Japanese mm-hmm. version of the name Cerebi, and um, it's just one of those of like, oh, this is like another version of Mew essentially, which a lot of the earlier ones were, where it's like, oh, here's like a grass sprite version of yeah. Mew that's like in um, Ilex Forest or whatever it is, and yeah, even the anime had like a part where it was assumed that like that golden GS ball in the anime that Ash got was going to contain the Celebi. It just never comes back, right? It's like one of those things they just dropped it and it never comes back in the anime. I think uh, the the storyline just gets forgotten about halfway through, yeah. It's like Misty's bike or Ash's 30 Tauros. It never comes (laughs) up again. But it was like a pivotal part of it. We're going to travel and go see like the professor and ask like, what's this ball about? We're going to figure it out and And take it to Kurt and he's going to figure it out. And then we're left with it and then nothing happens. There's just been an episode where Ash just finds it in his luggage. He's like, oh. Yeah, and it like let me click on GS Ball here because it does say it is also known to be the mysterious Pokemon hidden inside the mysterious GS Ball. Maybe that come out. Maybe it was a movie. It might have been a movie that obviously because we maybe we didn't watch that movie. Um. Oh, okay, right. Um, according to uh, Masamitsu Hidaka, mm-hmm. the GS Ball stood for Gold Silver Ball because it came out in the Gold Silver Games. And was supposed to contain Celebi. It was intended to follow. Yeah, it was intended to follow Ash Ketchum around in the Gold Silver series. However, it was decided at the last minute to save Celebi for the movie Pokemon Forever, and the GS ball was dropped from the anime with no explanation. (laughs) Do you know the thing is what I love about Pokemon? I don't like, you know, it's just something that came up because I've not watched much of, like, you know, the recent anime. And I've heard, mm. like, Pokemon Concierge is quite good, but I was oh, talking that's to adorable, a, yeah. Talked to a mutual friend of ours where he mentioned there's a moment in the anime that caused a huge kerfuffle online. And it's where Ash just rocks up to one of the leagues and another trainer just has, like, a Latios or something. Like, oh, another, right, okay. another trainer has a legendary. Mm-hmm. And apparently fans online were really mad at that. And I'm like, why would they be mad at that? And I'm like, because Ash didn't have it. Mm-hmm. They were all asking, well, why does this random dumbass have a legendary Pokemon? That's actually really awesome. And makes like just the idea that someone else went out and caught one that wasn't yeah. Ash. And then they bring it to the, the league. I and saw... Ash is like, the fuck am I supposed to do about this legendary? 
And I saw I was... it was like more recently. Um, I think there's a character in the anime called like Go or something like that, and he just like casually catches a Suicune in front of Ash. <laughs> that might be yeah. There's a, and people, people were, were like, about... "What the fuck? He just like caught a Suicune out of nowhere! Like, what the fuck?" But people were mad that Ash didn't get it, and it's like mm-hmm. when I heard that, I thought, "Oh, they must love that then." Because to me, that sounds awesome. That just other people in the world randomly caught a legendary, and now what do you do about someone who just has a legendary and brings it to a tournament? Mm-hmm. And like, no, people were mad that Ash didn't have it, and it's like, fuck of course. It. Like, the one interesting thing that I can I've heard about in Pokemon, and Pokemon fans hated it. It's like, <laughs> no, that's so interesting. <laughs> the idea that just someone has one, the idea that Ash isn't the protagonist of life, and if anything, that's what the anime almost always was. Because like, if it was another anime, Ash would have won every fucking tournament he went to. Yeah. And, like, not every anime, of course, but, like, if you were going to go with, like, the cartoonish kids-like anime where it's just, like, it's meant for small children, it's like, Ash wins every time and he's the best. But, no, like, Pokemon turned that trope on its head and went, like, no, Ash got beat in the quarterfinals because he's been a trainer for two months. Yeah, I I loved it. And when I saw the clip, I was like, that's amazing. And then just to find out that everybody hated that moment because Ash Mm. didn't get one, it's like, do you watch the show? Do you not realise yeah. the whole point is that Ash is constantly struggling against greater odds? And what yeah. greater odds can you get then? This person's got a legendary. And like, I, I'm so glad that eventually, eventually we got the payoff of Ash becoming champion. But like, the fact that died. they managed to like actually hold that off for like 20 years is pretty impressive. Yeah. And it, it, just... it gave us a satisfying ending to his arc and like actually set up a new protagonist, which um, like fair play to that anime for doing many of those things correctly because that's how you fucking do it. Mm-hmm. It's like, but, you give us a 20-year build-up, you give us the payoff, and then you actually end Ash's story and give us a new start. Yep. And as well, as soon as he did it, his story's done. Mm-hmm. As soon as he did that's that's what he was and going for. And it even for, gave us, like, those few episodes of Ash returning to all his old, like, locations of partner Pokemon and stuff and, like, mm-hmm. going and seeing, like, the Squirtle Squad performing... And all this, and just giving us those nostalgia bites. They mm-hmm. did it so well. Goes and meets his Charizard again. Mm-hmm. Um, Go, says hello to his 30 Tauros. <laughs> he's like, I don't even remember catching these. Well, he's not allowed. It was who did it in that episode <laughs> with a gun, so he's not allowed. Oh, God. And then uh, moving on to Generation 3, we've got Jirachi. Um, again, all these Pokemon suck. I hate it's them kind so of, much. It, it's... Jirachi is filling that niche of the first few generations did of like, here's this slightly altered Mew of like, here's the little sprite Pokemon. It's also as well, it's like, it's that classic anime trope of like, you know, the small cutesy thing is actually super deadly, which mm-hmm. is fine with Mew of like, but then they did it like 15 times. <laughs> Do you know what super deadly Carla isn't the little cutesy <sighs> one? What's that? It's fucking Deoxys. Just the it's, asteroid from space. Oh god! And it's That's, like people catch up me and Lucas. We really don't like legendary or like these. Like, I think it's a very interesting discussion to have in terms of like how much I don't care, but the the franchise does. It's because I think we you feel the same way. Of you, you can't call something legendary and make fifty of them. Mm-hmm. Like and that's the thing. Like I think it was like. If you actually count how many legendary Pokemon are, it's like there's like there is nearly a hundred legendary slash mythical Pokemon, and the game keeps giving you them. Like, That's you the lo- thing. They just give them away. They're not legendary anymore. 
Yeah, especially when like I had a bit of a discussion online not long ago with people of like, well, I'm getting really annoyed because the new um the new selling point for like the Indigo disc when it came out was like, oh hey, bunch of these legendary Pokemon are gonna be able to get caught. I was like, this is like the fifth game in a row that that's been the selling point. It's like it's not oh, it's not the story. It, it's you not know, the the characters. It's like you will get new legendary Pokemon that are better than the ones you've already got. And I understand the argument of like people arguing with me, yeah, but not everyone has played every game like you have. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Like, yeah. I get it. But like as a long time fan, when it's like Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon, um, the Crown Tundra DLC or whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, like That's the Indigo Disc DLC is like all of them are like, guess what, Pokemon fans? Go and collect all the old legendaries again. I'm like, I've got boxes full of them on Pokemon Home. I'm trading them for fucking Sawaddle that isn't available in the game. Like, it is one as well. Uh, Joe, I mentioned earlier of like Pokemon gets away with doing stuff no other company would. Like Pokemon, well, they straight up do DLC that just has something like stronger than everything in the base game. Do people complain like you know the new DLC gun in like you play Destiny? There's a new, like, you know, gun come out in the new DLC. It's the most broken shit in the game. People mm-hmm. complain and complain and complain until it gets fixed. I yep. play Mortal Kombat. New character comes out. This character's broken. Fix it, fix it, fix it, fix it. Pokemon gets away with, like, oh, we've got a new DLC. We've got a new legendary. It has, like, the highest stats of anything and a unique ability that makes it completely broken as fuck. And they never fix it. And bear in mind and they as get well. away with that. Pokemon get, is the only company that gets away with doing it. Like, Not only the do thing. they do that, they sell you quality of life in the DLC. Yeah, that's mean, and they get away with it. No mm-hmm. other company gets away with like releasing busted DLC. They do do it, but then they almost always have to tune it down. So Can you think of any Pokemon of... that they've done that with, with tuned it down within the same game? Not within the same game for sure. No, like Urshifu's still pretty broken in the new game, and he's the DLC one from the last game. Yeah, but then there's new Pokemon that are introduced in the new new DLC that are better than that, and it's like. They get away with it. They release mm. things that are numerically on paper better than everything you gain access to in the base game. And, and no yeah. other company gets away with doing that. It's kind of insane. Um, it's like in the new DLC, for example, when I'm talking about quality of life, like one of the things is like the terror shards that are really hard to get. Um, oh, yeah, you just give you 50. You, like you do a raid and you might be lucky to get, you know, like five terror shards. And then like I'm walking along the ground and picking up five items off the floor in 10 seconds and one of those items might be like oh here's 20 terror shards and just for everyone what's a terror shard it's the new gimmick in the game you need at least is it 20 50 you need at least 50 to change your pokemon's terror type and like in as Luke said, in base game you could pick up like two or three every now and again so you need to pick up like but you've like entire like difficult raids to get like maybe five yeah which take like five six minutes you just found Mm -hmm. 50 lying on the ground yeah, just bundles of like ten to twenty of them, just everywhere. Never forget that and Pokemon then... in one game. Um, the ability to change sound was an item you could pick up and miss. Yeah, missable um, like sound settings were that, like a pair option. of headphones that you could find by talking to a random NPC on the street. Mm-hmm. With like you know no way to know that that was an item that you could get like the sound settings and it was multiple hours into the game. No, like only Pokemon gets away with this, and no then, other um, game gets away with this sort of thing. No, not at all. And like 
what the item which is like the fresh start mochi in the DLC, which is only available from the DLC's mini game, where it's like, oh, you can reset all your Pokemon's effort values back to zero, which Lucas. To like, get okay. berries to do that in the game, you have to like go to auctions and spend inordinate amounts of money when the right item comes up on the auction. It's like, Lucas, instead, just go do the minigame. Pokemon Black and White had easy and hard mode that you had to complete the game and delete your save to use. And you had to, like, I think it was like if you got black, you unlock the hard mode. And if you want the hard mode on white, you yeah. had to do like a key trade with yes. Pokemon Black with someone who'd got unlocked the hard mode. So easy mode and hard mode have only ever been in one Pokemon game. That's Pokemon Black and White. And to unlock hard mode, you need to complete black and to com- unlock easy mode, you had to unlock you had to unlock it in white. And then to get them on the 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 easy or hard mode from the other version, you had to have a either a friend with that version of the game who completed it, and then to play easy mode. That's another thing as well. Multiple saves. Can you think yeah. of any other game where, if you want to start a new game, you have to just delete your old one? Like, if I want to like, play like, a new Baldur's Gate run, I can play it. It doesn't make me delete my previous five runs. Pokemon, yeah, again, they get away with that. Even on the Switch, saves. it's like, instead of having multiple saves, you have to have multiple profiles on your Switch. Like, your one profile can only have one save file. On Pokemon. And you can't even have um, cloud saves because they're afraid of people like doing scummy shit with it, like you know manipulating Pokemon data and, and again, stuff. So like, only Pokemon no gets cloud away saves that. available on Pokemon because fuck you. And here's the thing as well, and we have a, an example of another company actually trying that. Because you remember like Mercenaries the, for the 3DS, there was a Mercenaries the Resident game. Evil Mercenaries game, yes, which had a persistent single f- save. So in the 3DS version of the Mercenaries game. Like the Resident Evil like uh, mini game that they spun off into its own thing, um, it had a single persistent save state. That um, once you'd unlock something, you could never reset the game. And Capcom toyed with this idea and immediately walked it back. And that's admittedly mm. a little bit more extreme than Pokemon because Pokemon you can reset your save. Mm-hmm. But what, you know the fact yeah. that Capcom tried it in one game as a spin-off on like you know a console they don't they didn't historically put a lot of like big first party games onto. But to be fair, they, they supported the 3DS quite support, well, but, but yeah, like, it was one of those games where it was like, they knew it wasn't going to be an overly big game or anything. So they they didn't market it massively, like, yeah. let's try out some weird shit on this one and see what Let, we can get away let's with. Let's test the waters with this. And that was, the backlash was so heavy, the entire industry backed off that concept. And on the same mm-hmm. console, Pokemon's like, do you want to start a new game? Delete your all save. <laughs> Delete it. And we've got a bit long in the tooth here with this yeah, one, so just, I'm gonna. Uh, oh, I could talk about Pokemon uh, we, all day. We could rant about bad practices and Pokemon all day long, but like it's fascinating um, to think about. It is, yeah. And as you say, like the the leeway that we give Pokemon over the franchises, and I think that is starting to turn slowly. That ship is starting to like reverse, but it is one of those. It's like fucking stuck in a Suez Canal, like halfway. It's just... actually like yeah, the ship the ship has set sail. But, like, if I really wanted to, you know, it could still turn around and come get me. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to swim out to the ship. But if the ship wants to come back, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get on. Or I if I that. just tell you, like, Carl, I'm training up a few new Pokemon, you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'll swiftly go through all of the rest of the quote-unquote Pokemon. Let's see how many of these I actually know. If you, like, shout out any of them, you know, that you want to specifically talk about, which I doubt will be many, but, like... We'll start with uh, the rest of them at Generation mm-hmm. 4, which is uh, the the duo of Manaphy and Fionn. I, I can't stand them. They, uh, all look, yeah. they all look exactly the same. 
so Manaphy is the the one that you actually get, and then you've got to breed Manaphy with Ditto to get the Fion. Um, but you can't then evolve a Fion into a Manaphy because, mm-hmm. of course, Manaphy has to be special. You can't like mass produce them. That's the part of the War um, Trio, right? No, no, no. That's the Sea Drifter or Seafaring Pokemon, Fiona, yeah. Manaphy, and most better. But they're like just the blues, the blue muse. Yeah. Um. Then you got Darkrai, Shaman, Which... Arceus, of course, the god of Pokemon. The fact like Shaman, and it wasn't part of that tre- like trio of like horses. No, that was Keldeo, the one you're yeah. thinking of, maybe. My little pony. Where it, it was the fourth one, but. Uh, yeah, Generation 5, you've got Victini, uh, Keldeo, Meloetta, and Genesect. Um, it's so weird as well, like, the jump you go from, like, Victini of, like, tiny, like, star bear to Genesect, and it's just, like, a fucking Godzilla monster. And that's kind of what I... That's why I do kind of like all of the... As I keep saying, like, the ones that look like sprites, as in, like, the creature sprites not as in like sprites like the 2d pixel sprites my main um, issue is they're like just Vicini too strong is like they're all just like cutesy little monsters whereas like i hate the ones that are like genocide that look like they might as well be as a fucking digimon over there the problem with me is like they're too strong so they make them obviously they make them overpowered because we want people to want it yeah, they're too strong so they're not fun to use in battle because it doesn't feel competitive mm-hmm. and bec- and they also almost always have a unique move that's super powerful and has literally no downside. And that's so they what have I really like about... way of being played. I liked it when it was Mew, because Mew was the ancestor of Pokemon. It could learn so every move. So the gimmick was just, it could learn any move. Which at least makes it interesting from a competitive standpoint, because you don't know what Mew's going to do. Victini, mm-hmm. it's like he's going to use fucking, what is it, Victory Flare or whatever it is, that's like just base 130 damage fire moves. Like, why would um, I not use the most powerful um, it doesn't specifically mention its moveset here, but yeah, it was something it, along those lines of like just every, use its signature move over and over again. And its signature it, move yeah. is like almost always like just numerically better than whatever the most powerful move. Mm-hmm. Like it's always like, oh, here's an elemental hyper beam with no downsides or some yeah. shit like that. Which means that it just again from a competitive standpoint, not only does it not feel fair to use, it feels very limited in what its applications are. Because like, why would or, you not just spam the best move it has? You know, going back to uh, Darkrai, it would give you like the dark void of like just double sleep. Here's a here's a doubles move that can put both Pokemon to sleep at the same time, and they've had to like nerf it over time and make sure that Smeagol can't use it because it was just ridiculous. That move was so powerful they had to ba- they basically washed the Pokemon. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like you know, it's sleeping Pokemon. If you don't play competitive, is incredibly powerful technique so powerful in fact there is one move in the game as a hundred percent guarantee of doing sleep and they give it to like four pokemon they because know how is strong so it is. fucking good and then it, they were like what about like 70 percent accuracy of hitting both of them i think that's what it started as and now yeah. it's like 40 percent because they had to nerf the shit out of it but um because they realize it's so powerful to be able to put both your opponents basically you just win that turn because mm. your opponent they have at least two turns where they can't wake that pokemon up so yep. you effectively like neuter their entire offense for two turns unless they switch out their Pokemon and then they've still got two Pokemon in the back that are asleep. So you effectively cut their team in half in one turn with one move. And they gave that to a Pokemon that you had to go to a fucking McDonald's to get. Oh, you know, it could just shut down both Pokemon for like maybe three or five turns, I think it is. 
both Pokemon could just ostensibly be dead by the time that you're done with them and from so, one dot void. And it has zero downsides. That's the Apart problem. Apart from bad accuracy, but it could just hit both Pokemon and send both Pokemon to sleep and you ostensibly win. It, it, it just really it feels really unfair to do and to play against. It completely neuters any like creativity. Like, as I mentioned, they had to stop it working with Smeargle because Smeargle was like a regular Pokemon that could just go in and Learn use anime. Dark Void and not be a mythical banned Pokemon or whatever. So it was like, okay, well, this has got to be stopped because that move's too fucking good. Yeah. The move's so good that if you put it on a Pokemon that can actually learn more than seven moves, it's completely broken. And um, moving on to Gen 6 here, we've got uh, Deancey, Hooper, and Volcanion. Um, yeah, generation... They all look terrible. Yeah, Gen 7, and we've got Magina, Marshadow, Zorora, of course, which you all got like a free shiny version of, and then Meltan and Melmetal. The fact that Zorora is a mythical Pokemon, and they give you a free version of it, that shiny, making the regular version rarer than the shiny <laughs> rare. And it's like, that just sums it up. They literally just gave you one, and it's like, I... And I don't mind, like, the fact that back in the day, at least you had some kind of, like, as with the new Pokemon Petra, like, an event to do something with, or, like, that made them feel special. Like, when it's just do a mystery gift and get the Pokemon, it's like, this doesn't even feel special. Oh. And, um, one thing I will say about Magurna is that it does have a cool recolor where, um, if you have every single Pokemon, um, from I think it's either from Gen Seven or from Gen Eight mm-hmm. on like all the way back like so you gotta have nine hundred and something Pokemon all existing on your Pokemon home. If you have them all, you get like a Pokeball colored version of Magina that looks cool, which you know I, I was nice enough to uh, eventually get uh, thanks to a couple of people helping me out with some trades. And you will never use that Pokemon in a battle. Um, to be fair, I did put it in my Pokemon Scarlet and Violet just to like use the swag version online and yes. style on people. <laughs> just to flex. Yeah, exactly. You've like, look, I've got the Pokeball version of it. Um, and then yeah, Generation Eight is the one Pokemon in the world I don't have, which is a rude. So I missed the event. So fuck you. you. Just put them. No, if anyone out there's got us a rude, contact us. Hell, wiki, wiki weekends at gmail dot com. <laughs> or go to Luke's streams. Help me. Lucas will send um, you one dollar on PayPal. I'll send you five, fuck it. And then you'll send it back. Or do you need it? Um, do you need it for your living decks? No, no, as in I need to keep it for a living oh, deck okay, so that case, I Luke's always have it forever. For $5. Hell yeah. Um and then, yeah, the reason I wanted to talk about today of just like it gave me the excuse to bring up yes. this is Petcherunt, which is the new uh, poison ghost type mythical Pokemon included in generation nine. And it is, like, admittedly, it fits in with, like, an epilogue that they've added to the DLC. I don't know. They said, Pokemon said it was going to be about an hour long. I haven't mm. played it yet. Um, but, you know, strike while the iron is hot, I suppose. And, yeah, it's, like, linked into the story of the um, the three Pokemon that, you know, harass Ogapon and stuff. And I'm like, at least they made a bit of effort. I None of those words made sense to me. You haven't played the DLC, so... It's more as well, I just yeah. do not give a fuck about legendary Pokemon. It's like, when I look at, like, competitive no. tier lists now, and it's like, Ogre, I'm like, what the fuck's... The- oh, it's a legendary, I don't care. Yeah, exactly, and w- me and you always try to play, like, 
against the meta in Pokemon and in many other games. And... I'm, I had one game. I like I saw you playing Scarlet and Violet. You know what? I'll build a team. So I built like my fighting team. I put Hitmonlee and a Hitmonchan lead. I, you know, went in like IV, EV, trained them all. First game on casual, a guy just drops in with an Urshifu and a Lander Asteria and said, Casual? Yeah. This is casual. So he just guy just brings in the Glock and starts just pew, pew, pew. <laughs> That's not casual. Let me tell you the endorphin rush I got when like I went on to rank with that team that I built and it was and like you, you a Georgia Bug and a Rhyperia. And I did a like special a Rhyperia. Rhyperia. Yeah, a special attacking Rhyperia sweep on like a team with like Landorus, Urshifu. I was like, oh, this, that felt good. And that's the thing about Pokemon. You can, you can counterplay some of these legendaries, but the fact that it's so much work to like counter yeah. the meta in Pokemon, which is just and all legendaries and pseudo legendaries. That team is only going to work once because then yep. they're going to know my gimmick. Yep. And just immediately shut it down. Yeah. There's not really um, much you can do about the gimmick of my Pokemon is just numerically better than yours. Because like, like, it's, it's faster, stronger. I'm going to throw them off with like, you know, they sent out an intimidation Pokemon to shut down my Rhyperia, but it's like, it was a special build mm. and like, you're doing things that they're not expecting you to do. So like, that works one time. Yep. And I, I did say that we were going to like, look at how to get them. Generally, a lot of them are just go to events or download <laughs> mystery gifts. We've been, we've been running about Pokemon for far too long. And Speed Racer. That's true. Just like, I said I've got a degree in film studies. Luke's got a degree in Pokemon. <laughs> I might as well do. These are two subjects with which we have um we individually and combined have a lot of um, knowledge. So tend to go off on one. It is true, but yes. Thank you for listening and let us know, as I said, which wiki won this, this week. week. Yeah. Thank you all for watching and have a lovely week. Cheers everyone.